Well, good morning. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, so when I think of Mother's Day, I feel like not that Pastor Tim couldn't deliver a wonderful Mother's Day message, but it's good to have a mother share from her heart. Uh, I was noticing a lot of quotes and different things that were just, I've seen uh, the past couple of days, and I wanted to share a couple of those with you. Um, one, one quote was, I'd love to be a Pinterest mom, but it turns out I'm an Amazon Prime kind of mom. Um, you know you're a mom when you understand why Mama Bear's porridge was cold. Uh, silence is golden unless you have kids. Then it's suspicious. A lady runs into a meeting late. Sorry I'm late. I got into an argument with my toddler about socks. Um, and one, one lady had a shirt that said, wiping noses for Jesus is legit. I thought that was good. And the top five mom sayings that you might hear is, one, because I said so. No one said life is fair. What part of no don't you understand? This hurts me more than it's going to hurt you. And if everyone jumped off a cliff, would you do it? Okay, how many of you are guilty of saying those, some of those things at least once, twice, or more? Uh, so I wanted to share a few things. First of all, the Bible doesn't give you a lot of specifics about being a mom. There's some details that I feel like, God, you could have helped me out in some of these things. But um, there's some situations that the Bible is not real clear. Like maybe you have a toddler and you're at Walmart and it's really crowded and they lay down on the floor refusing to get up and leave because they want a certain toy. And everyone's watching and, you know, what do you, how do you handle the situation? Well, you know, you can't turn to, you know... Timothy and find that answer necessarily or maybe your teenager is going through those hard years of being a teenager and you don't know exactly what to do and how to navigate those things well the Bible doesn't tell you specifically how to maybe navigate those things but the Bible is very clear about some things and so we're going to talk about that I had a, a wonderful godly mom my mom um it was a good mom, and so I'm very blessed to have had um, a good mom. She was a good role model, a good Christian woman. She really instilled in us um, Christian values and, and teachings. And I never was, uh, was tempted to veer off my faith at all growing up. And even in my, you know, uh, teenage and 20s or whatever, where some people start questioning their parents' faith, and if is it my faith or was it their faith? I just, it was our faith. And uh, I always was very firm in my beliefs. And I attribute that to my mom and my dad uh, for giving that to me. So I was very blessed with a good mom. And she was a good role model um, and in all those areas. Um, so though there is a lot of things the Bible does not tell us, maybe specifically, the Bible is very clear very clear on what God has set before us as women of God and mothers. Um, so that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Let's look at what God's word says about being a mother. One of the most popular verses you hear, on, there's a few that are just that people pull out for Mother's Day, but the one that drew to my attention was Titus 2, 4, and 5, where it says, These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. 
So in Titus 2 and 4, the Greek word there, when it used the word train, it's referring to mothers loving their children. And it represents a special kind of mother's love. And everybody knows there is a special uh, mother's love that only mothers uh, know of. But this idea flows out of the word that it is caring for our children, nurturing them, affectionately embracing them, meeting their needs, and tenderly befriending each one as a unique gift from God. Culture's opinion uh, and interpretation of that scripture is they, they would say it's outdated. And they would say that, you know, it's not relevant. But it is scripture, and it is to shape our understanding of biblical motherhood given to us by God's word. It is authoritative, and it is relevant for women today. These virtues are not suggestive or individual preference, but they are required for the sake of unbelievers. Even those unbelievers may be your children. This applies to any age and stage of life. Our conduct... And I have to bring the dads in at this point because it's not just about the mom. And we know the dad plays a really important role. Um, but it's not Father's Day, so I'm not going to be too uh, focused on that. But I believe that everything that I'm talking about applies to the dad as well. Um, they don't get off the hook here because I think it's for both parenting in general. But our conduct has a direct influence on how people think about the gospel. And you think about that. People, you are the Bible that people see. So what do, you know, and how much more, how much more does your behavior influence your children? And everything that we do, we're going to talk a little bit about that. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, this means that anyone belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. So let's talk about for a minute about how we treat others. How do your children see you treat others? Do they see you being loving? Do they see you um, answering people when they talk to you? Or do they see you snapping and, and you know, uh, not being as kind as maybe we could be? And even how we talk to our spouse, spouses, how we talk to each other. Parents, um, I, I hear it and I see it a lot, how parents talk to each other in front of their children. And it makes me just sad. Because they'll, they'll say, shut up, and this, and they're talking, you know, ugly to one another. And their kids are sitting there listening and watching. So everything that they learn, as they grow up, they're going to hear, they're hearing all this. So when, what do you think they're kind of parents they're going to be when they grow up? They're going to model a lot of what they heard and what they've seen, okay? So we need to be really careful how we talk to each other. You know, if you want to have a disagreement, go have it where they're not around. Go somewhere else and, and have it, not in front of the kids. I see that happen a lot of times, and it always just makes grieves me that the kids are watching this. Um, but even what we say about people behind closed doors, you know, like being nice to you and then saying, oh, my gosh, that lady gets on my last nerve to your kid, you know, uh, to always just being careful what we say um, because we're, we're, you know, we're, again, we're, we're role modeling for them and how we treat, and how we talk about people, um, and I know um, growing up in church, my mom made a big Sunday dinner, Sunday was the big family, big roast, mashed potatoes, you know, the whole thing, you know, we had a big family, and so Sunday was a big dinner day for us, and we would sit there, and I remember there was a few times someone, one of the siblings, one of my brothers or sisters or whatever, somebody would make a comment about church that day, or they would make comment about the pastor. I remember one time I said something about 
him being long. It was a little long. And my parents shut it down. They're like, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, (laughs) uh-uh. And they, they would not let us talk about the church and the leaders and the pastor. They, they, they would not have it. Now, if you had a, a genuine concern and you wanted to talk, they would hear it. But they would not let criticism, you know, uh, of anything. Because I would complain about the music and I wanted to do more uh, worship songs. And I didn't want to do hymns and different things. And my dad would be like, hmm, you know, that's not your place. Your time will come. And I was like, I just had to trust what he was saying. Um, so, so my parents were good about, uh, good about that and being respectful, um, in front of others. And it helped me grow up to also do that. Um, so we often shape though our behavior, uh, by what we say and we do in our own spiritual life where we are spiritually is a lot of times how we guide our kids. And I read an article a while back and I thought it was really good and I wanted to share it this morning. It had some good insights. But there is a compelling argument um, right now for not letting children skip church. And first of all, let me just say it's not church. It's not just church. We're not talking about missing a Sunday. It's not just church. It's about community. It's about them hearing over and over about the love of Christ and about how he loves them and he died for them. And them just hearing that and hearing that and hearing that. It's about all of those things put together. It's not just about attendance. So I wanted to make sure that you, that you heard me on that. But this uh, writer wrote this article. His name's Carl Truman, and he wrote this article, and I wanted to read it to you. i got to put my glasses on for this one. He wrote, The church is losing its young people because the parents never taught their children that it was important. I think that this applies across the board. It applies to family worship, And it also applies to whether you are in church every Sunday and what priority you demonstrate to your children church has on a Sunday. If the sun shines out and the friends are going to the beach, do you decide to skip church and go to the beach? In which case, you are sending signals to your children that it is not important. Now, we know that just taking your kids to church does not guarantee salvation. That, that, that's not true. And God is not obviously honored by religious acts of just you doing something like that. And that's not what I'm talking about. And I'm not talking about legalism. So don't try to turn it into that thinking because that's not what I'm, hear my heart, that's not what I'm saying either. But this is about parenting and the weight of responsibility behind how we prioritize our time and our lifestyle choices for our families. Um, I think it's really great that we have a children's pastor and a youth pastor, and they're investing in your kids. But that one hour a week is what they're getting of the Word of God. Okay? They're getting that. If we don't do some things at home, and that's all they're getting, the other six days and half of Sunday, they're getting poured into them all other things. Television. Television is just so, the influence of television is just, Terrible. I can't think of a nice word. I'll just say terrible. It's it's just bad. Okay, so our kids are they're they're getting infiltrated and social media and all the negativity. We need to put the positive and we need to that's why it's important and we need to try to do something at home during the week um with our with our children because that that's just not enough. It's just that one that's not gonna cut it um at the end. So um So when television, sports, school, hobbies, or even family days 
are, um, are, develop, are elevated to a place of idolatry and replace the virtual Christian responsibilities that we tell our children that Christ is secondary to all things. We don't want them to learn that. We tell our children that it is not necessary to take up your cross and follow Jesus daily. We tell them that the on, they only have to live for Christ when it's convenient. That's a message we're sending to our kids. It's all, when If it's convenient, we'll go. If it's not, then I don't know. We'll see. Okay? So, parents, I heard Beth Moore preach a, a message not long ago, and I loved her. And she called it Parenting with Guts. And I, I loved it. I've watched it probably, I don't know, 25, 30 times at least probably in the last year because I like it. I liked it so much. But parents, you're in charge. You're the boss. And this is for both parents. God gives you a responsibility to teach your children and to raise your children with the word of God. So parent without guts. Parent with guts because it's, it, it can be hard. And sometimes your kids aren't going to always like your decisions. And they're not always going to understand And I always would tell my kids when they wouldn't understand, I'm doing this because I feel like this is what God would want me to do in this situation. I feel like this is according to his word and his plan. Tell them why you're doing it and tell them, explain and share your heart with them. My prayer is that we would all improve in that area. Make sure Christ is a priority in your life if you want it to be a priority in the life of your children. Model with integrity. Live what you say by being a model from with which a child can learn. In Proverbs 22 and 6, it says, Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. And I believe, I believe in that scripture. My children, by the grace of God, are all in the house of God this morning, worshiping and being involved in ministry. And I'm thankful for that. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. And sometimes, but, you know, my mom... I think about her, she raised all her kids in church. And some of them have chose not to be in church today. And they have rejected their faith. Um, they believe, they know, they know the truth. But they just, for different reasons, have rejected that. So, and we were all raised, I would say, pretty much the same way. Um, so I understand that sometimes that doesn't happen. So, uh, but we still have to, I still always tell her, but if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be where I am. So it, you, you were right. You know, you were right, Mom. Don't you like to hear that? You were right, Mom. My girls will call me all the time and say, Mom, you were right. How could you even stand me when I was a teenager? How could you even put up with me? You know, a mother's love, right? A mother's love. Um, so now we understand that all of us did not have a mother that raised, that raised you in these truths. Some of the moms just did the best they could. Some moms have been wonderful and maybe just didn't have the gospel truths that they taught you. They, maybe they were just a good mom, but they didn't instill in you the word of God and, and those biblical principles. And I wanted to share a little uh, something with you, but i got to get a drink. Um, about, about two students. I've been working in the um, school system for about 12 years now. Um, and for whatever reason, I've worked a lot of car lines in the morning. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm going to tell you about two students that came through the car line. One student came through the car line, and their mom um, was uh, 
got out of the car. She had her Starbucks, and she was all happy. And there's Joy FM playing on the radio, and the child gets out of the car, and they go into school. It's chilly that day, so the, the child has on a sweater. The child had combed hair and a big bow in their hair, and they had their backpack with their name written on the side like we're supposed to. And they had a lunchbox. And so they walk into the school set for the day, and it's, I love you. I love you, too. I can't wait to see you as they, as they leave each other. So then you have the mom pull in behind. This mom maybe didn't have a mom that gave her some of these tools to be a good mom, or maybe she just rejected them. I'm not sure. But she pulls in, and she, the child opens the door, and she's yelling at the child to hurry up because they're making her late for work. They're making her late for work. And the child gets out of the car in shorts, no sweater. It's a cold day. The hair's not fixed. The lunchbox is a Walmart bag with a cola and some Twinkies in it. Um, no backpack because mom don't know where it is. She lost it or forgot where it was. Um, so they both go into school. They sit down and they go to lunch. And the one child, the first child opens her lunchbox. And, and her lunchbox is a juice. Not just any juice, but 100% real juice. And she's got a peanut butter jelly sandwich, and she's got a napkin that says, I miss you, Mom. It has a heart on her napkin, and she has all the little perfect things sitting there. And she's just happy eating her lunch. And the child across the table is sitting there with their Walmart bag, opening their cola, some kind of cola drink, and Twinkies, and that's what they're having for lunch. Now, you might say, well, that, did the second mom not love her child? The second mom just didn't have the tools, maybe. Maybe her mom did not do that for her, so she didn't know any better. Or maybe she's just rejected. I'm not doing it. You know, maybe the motivation and the challenge of her heart was not there. Did she not love her child? No, I think she loved her child. I don't doubt, like, she didn't love her kid because she didn't do all those extra things. And then I think about all the moms that are in the middle. That, yeah, there's days I forgot my kid's lunch. There's days... I couldn't find their lunchbox, and did I have to use a Walmart bag? Maybe. Um, so, you know, there's all these different things of in-between of mothering maybe that we do. We, we have mom fails. You know what? The mom fails. I, I was looking at mom fails. I almost showed you some. Uh, there's a lot of mom fails that we do, and I, I thought of a, lot, a list of things I could share of mom fails. Um, but I think sometimes mothers do care. Mothers do want to do those things, but sometimes don't know don't have the motivation to do those things, uh, but they do love their children. So maybe your mom, maybe you're somewhere in there with your, your mom, um, or maybe even you yourself were not a follower of Christ when your kids were young. How many people have I, I've talked to so many times that they didn't take their children to church and they didn't teach them when they were young because they weren't a believer, and it wasn't until they were older that they became a believer, and they felt like they lost all those years that they could have made a difference. Um, but it's never too late. This is my, my, my hope. It's never too late to influence and make an impact on your children and your grandchildren. So a lot of times, it's, it, I just feel like if your, chi your children will still see a change in your life, whether, you're, whether they're you know, um, young, different, at the different ages. Let me even say that the enemy would like for you to live in regrets of all the mistakes that you've made. He wants you to live 
feeling bad. He does. That's a, a weapon. How many of you know the enemy wants to play with your mind all the time and make you feel bad about things and make you feel like you weren't good enough and all those things? I thought about that because I talk to moms a lot and I see that. But do not parent out of your own guilt and shames of your past because it will hinder you from being the parent you need to be. The enemy would like for you to live in guilt. He would like for you to live in blame and shame. If I would have been a better mom, my kids wouldn't have made these choices. If I would have done this, if I would have done that, I, if I would have made better choices when they were growing up, they, 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 you just carry that heaviness because of their, some of their choices. You carry that and, that, and that can be really heavy. That can be really heavy. Um, so don't compare yourself to other mothers you see and you say they're successful. I, I've done it. I've done it before and thought, you know, God, I've, I've done this and I've done that. And my kids are still being ornery, you know, talking about not talking about little kids. I'm talking about high school. High school teenage years were my hard years with my kids. Up to that point, they were really, really great. <laughs> then, we had hard, then we had a hard few years, and now they turned around, and, and, they're, and they're good now. Um, but so when I think of that, I always think of the teen years. Um, but I would compare myself to other moms, and I'd be like, man, you know, I'm doing all the right things, and I don't know. I, I don't get it. You know, and I would just, I would get hard on myself, and I would just beat myself up over, you know, it's probably my fault. It's probably my fault. Um, maybe nobody's ever, um, experienced that, but I, I have, but he wants to wear you down. He wants to bring sorrow into your very soul, uh, for not being a good mom. How do I know this? <laughs> because I've experienced it. I get it. Um, there is some ownership and mistakes and choices we've made at moms. We've all made mistakes. How many of you'd like to have a do-over? Take all the knowledge and information that you have right now and start it over. Wouldn't you be like the best mom ever? You would. You, you would know things, and you would just, I, I always think that. If I could just do it all over again with what I know now, things would be different. Um, I would have made such different choices, and I would have did this, and I would have done that. Um, but we can't. We can't, and we can't live in the constant state of sadness and regret of everything we should have and could have done because I feel like that will just tear you down inside. So all you can do is recognize them, own, own them, ask for forgiveness. Sometimes you may need to go to your kids. It's okay to tell your kids, hey, sorry, I was, I was harsh. Sorry, I was short with you. Sorry, or even if your kids are grown, sorry, I didn't realize growing up that I was doing that. And now that I'm older, I see it, and I'm sorry I did that. I think that's healing to them when you are able to admit things that you saw that you, you didn't do. Um, so let's talk about um, don't let past mistakes dictate your current and future situations. It is never too late to start doing the right thing. And some people might say, well, I've been doing for 10 years, I've been doing this, and now i got to go in and tell them we're not doing that anymore? Yeah, that might mean what that means. If that is not good for them spiritually, and you become a follower of Christ, and you see that that's not healthy or good, you might have to say, you know, we're going to make a change. We're going to do this, because it's, for you. it's best for you. So let's talk about moving forward just a little bit. Love your kids no matter where they are. Christ's love is 
what we sometimes will have to use in moments when, I don't know, maybe maybe your kids were just always angels all the way from kindergarten to adulthood. But sometimes I'd be like, Lord, help me to love this child the way you want me to love this child because I'm having a hard time right now. I love them. I don't like their behavior, and I need help in loving them. So God help me to do that. So love your kids no matter where they are. They may be the lost, most lost person. But you still have to love them, and you still have to show Christ's love to them. And you just got to keep holding on and not giving up, that they're going to they're gonna come around. And don't give up. Enjoy your kids. Um, I, would just, I was sitting, we were uh, eating lunch a while back, and I remember looking over, I don't know if you remember, um, there was a family sitting next to us, and all four of them were on their phones the whole time they were sitting there eating dinner. The whole time. Nobody was talking at all. Um, so enjoy your kids. Take time because you know what? It goes fast. How many of you ever know? How many of you know it really goes fast? It does. It goes fast. So enjoy your kids. Spend time with them. Um, pray for your kids. Who else will stand in the gap for your children? Who's going to pray for your kids more than you? Nobody. And I would say to say in this in this crowd of, of women, you have needs with your children, whether they're lost and they're running from God right now, they're not in relationship with him. Maybe your child has a, a problem in their marriage. Maybe they have an illness that they live with or wh- whatever it is. I know that there's got to be a lot of needs represented by moms here for your children. Um, So we have to pray for our kids. And every day, pray for your kids. Pray for your kids when they're young. Pray for your kids uh, for different things. You're going to pray different as they grow older. But I want to pray with you right now. And I want you to think about your kids. And I want you to think about the needs in your kids' lives. And we're going to pray together. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Think about your children and the needs that your children have in their lives right now. And let's pray for them. Father, I thank you for our children. No child is placed in a mother's womb by coincidence. You know every life has a purpose. You know us before we breathe our first breath. Father, mold us into mothers that reflect your love. We want to honor you in the way we love our children. Help us to be patient when the hours are long. And the weight seems impossible and our strength fails us. Fill us with kindness when our urge to criticize overwhelms us. Father, create in us a desire for your truth and a will to worship you, whether in seasons of suffering or moments of accomplishment. As you protect us, enable us to protect our children. Father, motherhood is so overwhelmingly hard. What we cannot find the strength to do for ourselves, let us persevere so our children may see your love for them reflected in our lives. We pray today, fathers, for you to keep our children physically safe and to guard their hearts and minds. May their friendships be godly and God-centered, their relationships and marriages built on kindness and upon seeking you first. Bless them to hear your voice above all others. May they never stop pursuing you and their talents and gifts you have given them. Go before us and forgive our mistakes as we do our best to raise our children. 
Father, thank you for blessing us with the privilege to be such an intricate part of your creation. Help us to be at peace with what we cannot understand and driven to work hard with that what, which we know. Amen. Amen. So, the last thing, point, Flick, flitch back here is love your kids, enjoy your kids, pray for your kids, and fight for your kids. I'm going to say fight for your kids, and in this way, I'm going to explain it. I'm talking about fight. I'm talking about prayer fight. Like, don't let the enemy just come into your home and cause havoc in your in your family. You need to pray for your kids. I used to pray. Go in my kids' rooms when they weren't home, and I would pray. And I would pray, and you might think this is me, but I'd be like, God, if, if when they lay their head on this pillow and they're not serving you, don't let them sleep. Let them be miserable, miserable and let them just be suffer. Let them, let them remember all the, the experiences in, of you that they've had and all the words that they've heard over the years. Let it keep them awake at night. I would just be like, you know, I don't know about you, but when it comes to your child's soul, and it's in the balance, we need to rise up and fight for that. We need to rise up and fight for that. When I'm talking about fighting for your kids, I'm not talking about, um, I have a story to share about my uh, son, but I'm not talking about fighting with um, the school and fighting with other, and fighting their battles for them. You got to be careful that you don't. Like my kids, I told them, if you get in trouble at school, you're getting trouble at home. That doesn't always happen. Now it's like you get in trouble in school and you get in trouble with mom and dad. So we don't, I'm not talking about always going in and stepping in. Sometimes that's necessary. Um, but that's not the kind of fight I'm talking about. I'm talking about fighting for your kids spiritually and being willing to be um, like, I, I don't know, just to be rise up. There's something that will rise up into you. If someone's hurting your child, there's something that will rise up in you to defend that child. It'll just take over. Um, and I have a story about that because um, uh, one time uh, when my son was probably four years old and we were living in the projects at that time, I was a single mom, and I worked a 10-hour day and I came home and I was tired and my kids were home alone and they weren't really allowed to go outside alone because of the neighborhood we lived. So my daughter said, I'll, we'll stay on the step. Let, let us go outside. I, I said, okay. So this one boy in the neighborhood was a bully. He was just a bully. He was 12 years old, and he would break toys and take kids' bikes and hide them, and he would just do mean things to everybody all the time. And I came home that day. I was just so tired, and I came in, and um, my son was standing there, and he it was covered with soda, Coke, pop, whatever you all call it. Uh, he was covered with that, and this child had taken his uh, can of soda and poured it over his head. Well, my son has always been good-hearted, and he was like, Mom, it's okay. He's four, four and a half. It's okay. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, I, I had had it. You know how you just have had it? And I was just done that day. I was just like, okay, this is, this is enough. I'm done with this lady. I'm going down there. We're going to have a talk. So I drag him with me because I want to show her that he's all sticky and covered with soda. So I'm dragging him down, and I'm knocking on the door. Now, I remember where I told you I lived. So it was a rough 
crowd. Some of the people that lived there were rough. So I knocked on the door, and she came to the door, and I knew as soon as I saw her I was in trouble because she, she came to the door, and she just, was, she just was rough. She had lots of piercings and tattoos, and she was smoking. She had a, she had a beer in her hand, and she was like, what? That's what she said to me, what? And I was like, well... Your son, and you know, and then I'm just telling her about my situation. But the point of that was, and I was telling her, you know, she said, well, I don't know what to do with him. I said, well, I can tell you what to do with him. I have a paddle at my house. You want to borrow it? And I'm just, you know, going on, 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 on. So I'm just telling her in any moment, I'm thinking she's going to take me out and fight me and on the lawn in front of my son. I knew it was coming and she didn't think in this and I calmed down and it was okay. But I guess the thing is, I was thinking about that. I was willing to fight for him. I was willing to get beat up in, some, in the yard uh, for him if that's what it took to make this stop because that's how upset I was. So how much more should we be willing to fight for our children spiritually? So when the enemy is coming against them, don't just be like, yeah, well, I need to pray for them. No, you need to rise up. You need to get the word out. You need to start praying over them. You need to start claiming uh, God is going to work out over their life and hold on to God's truths and not just sit down and be sad about it, but you need to rise up and fight about it. And I felt really strongly about that this morning. Um, and the last thing I wanted to share on that, on the, on the moving forward is trust God with your kids. Trust that God loves your children and put them in his loving hands. And that's the biggest thing that's hard, I think, is to trust that God has got this. Because you want to, we like to be in control. Or maybe I just like to be in control. But we like to be in control of our kids and what's happening. Um, but we have to sometimes step back and trust God's got it. And we, we, we've, done everything, we've done everything that we were supposed to do. Or we're doing everything that we're supposed to do. Maybe we didn't. Maybe we are now. But we've got to trust that God loves our children. And he, he, he wants to give them blessing and good things in their life. And so sometimes we have to trust God. We have to pray and let God take care of it. We try to help God out. Anybody ever tried to do that? I do. I, I'm like, I could tell you how this could work if you just listen. Uh, but we have to trust God because he is in control of all of it. And sometimes it's hard to, to, to give that away and trust him on those things. Uh, but that's, what, that's where we need to be at the end of the day, is we have to trust God with our kids. All of us women um, are in different stages of life. You may be, um, motherhood may be in your rearview mirror. Your kids are grown, and they're out of the house, and they have their own kids. Uh, or maybe you're in the thick of things. You're still getting up at night. you still got a kids in school, and you're still running them all over the place. And you've got, or, or maybe you're just a young lady who is just getting ready to, maybe that's in your future. Um, that you're going to be a mom. But don't ever feel less than. Motherhood is discipleship. Motherhood is discipleship. God fills in the gaps. There was a lot of, a lot of things that I think about that I didn't do or could have done, but I always trusted God to just help me because, like, I don't know what to do with this, God. You're going to have to help me. As a mother, your first ministry is your kids. Is it hard? Yes. Is it tiring? Yes. But God will help you and give you the strength through it.